Unpacking Injustice with the Montana Innocence Project. This podcast tells the real stories behind wrongful and unjust convictions and illuminates the complex issues responsible for making our criminal justice system unjust. Today we are bringing you the story of Montana Innocence Project client Katie Garding, whose conviction for vehicular homicide was overturned in March. Let's begin unpacking. I'm Raylene, one of the Alberton High School students who produced this podcast series. I had the opportunity to interview Katie's mom, Lori, her older sister, Sherelle, and her son, Carson, who was only 10 years old when his mom was wrongfully convicted. Take a listen to our conversation. So how did you guys feel about Katie being incarcerated when it first happened? The word that comes to my mind, uh, Raylene, is uh, devastation. It, it was just really on unbelievable it was hard to hear uh didn't think it was ever going to happen just devastation just devastated i was uh i i think for me personally i was shocked we never thought um that with the evidence that was presented at trial that she would ever be found guilty so like for that to have even gotten to that point was um I think we really just believed in the justice system and uh, and it was a major letdown for all of us. Like, I don't think any of us ever thought that it would have gone that far. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I was, yeah, I was probably around 10, 9, 10, I think. Um, I was very young, so I didn't process it. Like the, you know, the gravi- gravity of it wasn't like quite there for me, but I could sense it from uh, my grandparents, how much it meant to them and you know just my I, my grandpa was very upset it, it was hard it was hard Carson can you tell uh, tell us about your experience when you had at sentencing when you had your letter do you remember that yeah, like, I know I you don't remember. remember anything about that letter but I do remember writing it so the way I remember Carson had a statement prepared and mm-hmm before he was even done reading his statement, the judge looked at the prosecutor and said, what's maximum sentence? And just cut him off. Yeah, do you remember that, Cars? He's, yeah, he, do you remember that, Mom? I do. Oh, you know, ju- the emotions of that day, you know, it wasn't just that day. It's been with us ever since, you know? I mean, there isn't a day that if I talk about it that I, don't tear up over it. Uh, it just, yeah, it was, it'll be with us for the rest of our life. It's not over with. Mm-hmm. And even when it does get over and she is free and right now she is free, it's, it's never over. It's just never going to be over. They took a lot away from her and all of us as a, as a family, you know, as a mother, you know, she had a child that she gave up for adoption right after birth because we didn't know what her the outcome was going to be for her and that was really really hard very hard for her you know I remember her telling me mom let me just take him home one more one night I just want one night with him I says we can't Katie you know she never talks about it today but there was a lot of loss there's it, it 
impact our lives then and it impacts our lives today. You know, like I said, we'll never get over it. What was it like for you every, like in your everyday life while she was incarcerated and in prison? I, 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 um, I, I definitely went into a depression and I probably still there. I don't know if I'll ever come out of it, you know, um, but our, our main goal was to try to keep Katie included, her son, you know, to be able to see his mother. You know, we tried to make monthly trips to Billings and, uh, and they had family weekends once a month. We tried to get Carson there for that. So, um, so that's how we changed our lives, you know, so we could accommodate the situation that our lives were in at that, at that point, you know, so just, but yeah, it's a lot of depression. <laughs> yeah, from that moment forward, Katie wasn't at Christmas. She wasn't at Thanksgiving. Like there was no more... It was no more watching Carson grow up or being there for his birthdays. Um, her birthdays were spent alone. Um, from that moment forward, everything changed for our entire family. She never even got to see you play soccer, huh, Carson? <laughs> I wasn't very good at it. Have your opinions on the criminal legal system changed since she got incarcerated? Without a doubt. <laughs> Just because you're charged with something doesn't mean you're guilty. Never. And people should probably, you know, I, I read people's messages, you know, when they say somebody was arrested, well, he probably did it or she probably did. No, no, you don't know the whole story. And you know what? Listen to the details listen to the facts yeah it's changed a lot <laughs> i always say if i get on a jury trial they're all going to be innocent <laughs> well i just think in terms of carson being a child and like having that view shifted because us as a family our view shifted so it went from the cops are there to help you if you're ever in trouble you call the police to you never talk to the cops. Like, it doesn't matter what they say, what they do. Like, you do not talk to them. We don't, we don't trust them. Like, there is this huge then mistrust of our entire justice system and legal system um, because it was just such a letdown um, over and over again by people in power that were supposed to um, be able to discern uh, the difference between right and wrong and be able to, like, and have training to be able to look at something and understand it from an unobjective point of view but that didn't seem to be the case with Katie ever and so like I, I think I think about the stuff that I told Carson after that was like nope if you're ever if you're ever in a situation and the cops want to talk to you you just tell me you want an attorney like you just ask for a lawyer I don't care like what they say they are not your friends they're not there to help you like you will not get out of it and so like I don't know. Yeah. What about you, Cars? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I guess it changed, but I don't know if it really ever started to begin with. Cause like when I was really young, I didn't really like have a view on legal stuff like that, but I mean, it's kind of like maybe like subconscious, like, Oh yeah. Legal justice, blah, blah, blah. Good stuff. 
you know, no need to worry about that. But then I got my eyes opened up to reality and you know, saw what it actually was and, you know, changed from what I thought it would have been, I guess, is the best way to put it. What's it like for you now that she's out? And did you think that she would ever get out? It, honestly, no. Um, so we knew she would be parole eligible at 10 years. Um, but the the unwritten rule of the parole board is that you have to acknowledge guilt. You have to admit that you're guilty um, in order to be granted parole. So for them even to like, to give her a chance at getting out, I think like, I think we all were hoping for it, but I didn't really think it was going to happen. Um, I definitely didn't. So when they said like that she was, she was initially denied parole, but then endorsed for pre-release. And that was what we asked for. Um, I remember all of us, we were all in the same room on the same conference call waiting. And like the first thing they said is like, we are going to deny your parole. And we just, I think all of us just lost it. Um, we it was what we had anticipated we knew we knew that she was going to be denied and then I remember mom was talking and dad and I was like shut up they're not done talking and, and then that was when we heard like but we're going to endorse you for pre-release and I think just hearing that like I, I remember I was like wait this is what we wanted like this is what we asked for and so that was a shock um to me for sure uh me personally I don't know about other people but I um I just, I didn't, uh, I didn't even think it was possible. No, no. I thought that she would be flopped for sure. Um, flopped and waiting. And then we would just still be in this holding pattern. So, um, and then since she's been out, it's been amazing. Um, it's been amazing just to spend time with my sister um, outside of prison. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you have any siblings, Raylan, but um <laughs> Katie and I weren't great friends when we were your age. <laughs> and and I, I like, I would never say that I wanted her to be in prison, but what happened when she was in prison is we became friends. And so when she got out, we were really best friends. And then for us to just kind of have a relationship that grew from there was really special. Um, but I don't, you know, yeah, we were, we, I wouldn't say that we were like best friends then, but we definitely are now. So it's different. Mm -hmm. You know, I was so happy for her. You know, I, it was just one of those times we, like Sherelle said, we never thought it was going to happen. You know, Katie didn't do this crime and she is innocent and she still says she didn't do this crime and, and I was happy for her because it was going to be something new for all of us and it's been really nice it has been Shrell and I went to the park uh, with the dogs after the meeting and just talked about it and yeah it felt like it, it was like surreal honestly I didn't think it was going to happen like my it, it was in 2020 so like it was like when COVID hit and everything was going to shit and my view on life was like kind of like jaded and it's like nothing good's gonna ever happen so it, it felt it was amazing just honestly and um, now that she is out I, I don't think I've been as good um as com with communicating with her as I should should be um but I do get to hang out with her on Sunday so that's nice I do like talking to my mom she's a fun person to talk to and 
I do want to get her to know her better. So Carson's a gamer and Katie's first Christmas out, they came over and we were in the hotel um, and she was still in pre-release. So it was all like agenda stuff and needed to be here for this. Week. But Carson taught her to play magic and Katie like, and I am not into that at all, but Katie was engaged and she played the whole game and she finished it. And then like, it was like six months later that Carson was trying to teach me to play magic and I wasn't down with it. And he was like, I didn't think my mom was going to be way cooler than you are, but I guess she is. <laughs> <laughs> what was your initial reaction when Katie's case got overturned recently? <laughs> I didn't stop crying. Um, I don't know, for two hours, three hours, maybe I cried. Um, and it was weird. Like I came, I was at work and everybody was like, oh my God, what happened? Like, are you okay? And I was like, no, this is good news. This is what we wanted. And then like, and, but nobody could tell that from my reaction because it's so <laughs> terrible. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know if I thought like, I didn't know if it would ever happen. Um, and and the fact that this, the federal, for, for the federal court to overturn the conviction, we always knew that was the long shot. Like that wasn't, if, if it was going to happen, it wasn't going to happen there. And this was like our last ditch, ditch effort, like the very last chance. And then for it to be that, it was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I don't know. It was just completely overwhelming for me. <laughs> I want to. I want Katie to be done with this. Um, and I told her, like, you won't go through it alone. Like, you won't. This will be here. Like, no matter what it is, we will be here for you. That's only partially true. Because if she does go to trial again and loses, she's the one that has to deal with the consequences of that. And, and it affects her differently than it affects us. So, like, as, as supportive as we want to be, there's some of this that she has to decide on her own. And all we can do is just tell her like that whatever she decides, we'll support. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm certain she feels very lonely uh, and and not knowing what's going to happen. And, and, and just the thought of going through a new trial, like look at what happened the first time. We can't do that again. Um, <laughs> So I guess that's the other piece of it is like, yeah, there's this really good news. Uh, there's also all of these other things that could go wrong again. So um, <laughs> um, our dad passed away in November. And uh, I guess, honestly, the first thing that I thought of when I heard the news about Katie being um, potentially being exonerated was like, why can't my dad be here for this? <laughs> this is all he ever wanted to see. And so for him to miss this part, it feels wrong. Um, I know that he, uh, I know that he, um, he would be excited. And so, um, but it just feels like, like even this good news, like something's missing. And so, so we're just getting through that too. One thing's for sure is, you know, uh, the attorneys had said that if we go back into court, we've got, more things to fight with now than we did in the very beginning. So I feel 
very hopeful for that. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll have a whole different outcome if we have to go back into trial. I'm glad that the Montana Innocent Project, you know, has done the work and been beside her this whole time. Yes. It's been a big support to the whole family, not just Katie, all of us. You know, it, it's just, it's amazing to know that there are people that do care. I know. I, I do have a question for Ray Lynn. So what do you think about this, Ray Lynn, this story about Katie? So I never had like thought about wrongful conviction before I started this project. And I never realized how much it could impact families. And I definitely have I already had like a poor perspective on the judgment system. I knew it was bad, um, but I definitely have more compassion for the families it affects. And I'm glad I'm working on this project. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Before we end our conversation, could you tell me your favorite thing about Katie? My favorite uh, thing about Katie is her kindness, her compassion, you know, for, uh, for people, for animals, for just anything that, that's living. She has so much compassion and kindness toward her. You know, that's my favorite thing about Katie. She's funny. <laughs> but I like her compassion and her kindness. Yeah, I was gonna say Katie and I are pretty funny. So when we get together, <laughs> it's kind of a hoot. Victor the other day, he was like, you guys are assholes. And we like, just like, <laughs> we just poke fun at stuff and like you know whoever's with us is usually the the brunt end of it so they get they they deal with whatever comes out of it but um we like I I just love like I feel like how in sync we are like we don't necessarily have to talk about stuff like we know what each other is thinking and then like we can make fun of each other and then laugh about it and it's just it's it's a it's fun yeah I love that she's my best friend um yeah well it's kind of hard because there's just a there's a lot to love about my mom uh -huh. i think i like that she's uh she feels very open-minded to me when i just hear her talk about like certain topics and stuff like back when um back when like you know we went to uh go to the prison to talk we sometimes grandpa would you know my grandpa would like to bring up politics and stuff like that. And um, he, he liked doing that. That was, that was always fun to have like the last hour of our conversations not really be wholesome instead just be about who would be the better president or whatever. Um, but um, generally she comes off as being open-minded and I really like that about her. Um, very smart. Um, but I just love my mom, so. As legal director Katie Carpenter detailed in the last episode, there are multiple possible outcomes for Katie. The Attorney General's office is appealing the order overturning Katie's conviction, and the state intends to retry her. This means she could face a possible plea deal or a new trial. We asked Katie to reflect on her 13-year journey and how she feels about coming this far and facing these possible outcomes. We never know like where our lives are going to take us. Um, even if we have like a game plan, like usually things don't work out. Um, and I think just responding to what life gives, 
um, in like a positive manner and absolutely change your whole perspective on anything negative that's happening to you, um, which this experience definitely has shown me, you know, just because it wasn't something that I had planned to do or would ever want to do again, um, you know, just kind of accepting what is and like just um, embracing the experience and learning from it. Um, and, you, you know, I've learned so much from the experience, like good things, bad things, you know, um, definitely nothing that I want to ever do again. Um, but, you know, it's also just like an emotional roller coaster, too, because you're in prison for a crime that you didn't commit. And, you know, there's people out in the real world fighting for you. And so, like, you have all of this hope that things are going to work out. Um, and then, like, the state is just, like, it's, it's a letdown, too, because then, you know, your appeal doesn't go through or your post-conviction doesn't go through. Um, and then you just kind of have to start back over. So I think it's just it's an emotional roller coaster, but um, just this embracing experience is the most important thing that we can do for um, any of our lives, honestly. Um, so obviously I wish that I could just be done with this whole thing, um, but I'm actually pretty nervous going into um, this next step because it's, it's almost like deja vu, like the whole process like that started over 14 years ago is just happening again. Um, so it, it's exciting because a yeah somebody finally heard my story and believed me, and then um, I mean not just that one person, but you know what I mean, like a, a judge that can actually have an impact on my case. Um, and, you know, it finally heard the the truth through my case, and now I just have to go through the whole motions all over again. So it's a little stressful, but it's also like a good thing too because it's a step forward in the right direction. I guess, like, for me, um, like, if I had, like, you know, things to share, is, which I'm pretty sure I've said before, like, numerous times, just to, like, not not be so judgmental of people because you never know, like, what they're going through or what their fans through. And everybody always has a story, and we just may not know what that is, and that's okay. Um, and so I think, yeah, just, you know, just try to let people be who they are and not... Um, what, what other people say that they are. Unpacking Injustice is a Montana Innocence Project podcast. The artwork was created by Rob Truax, and the music was composed by Corey Fay. To learn more about the Montana Innocence Project, visit our website, mtinnocenceproject.org, or follow us on social media at Big Sky Innocence. To submit a case, visit our website and click on the Request Legal Assistance tab. Thank you for Unpacking Injustice with the Montana Innocence Project.